going to open this morning with some thoughts from my message from a number of years ago, for those that may remember, called Saving Our Daughters. If you've never heard it, you should probably um, get in touch with Diane or somebody or, or maybe Glenn uh, Landreth and uh, request. We could send you the link to that message, Saving Our Daughters. In the Old Testament, tribes would exchange daughters in order to blend their cultures because they understood that mothers held the power to shape society in the cradle. And there's a scripture that indicates this. I'll just read it to you, uh, Genesis 34 and 16, that says, Then will we give our daughters unto you, and will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. And so they understood that it was the exchanging of daughters that would actually create the blending of cultures and peoples. Daughters are the real key to blending families and, and cultures. You can conquer enemies with sons, but only daughters who become mothers raising the next generation can truly change a society. And nothing is more valuable to a nation than the culture of its daughters. And to affect society for either good or evil, you simply need to gain control of the daughters of that society. Because the spirit of the next generation lives today in the character of our future mothers. They say the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And the devil believes that. He knew exactly where to go to gain control of the human race. Eve wasn't chosen because she was ignorant, and she wasn't chosen because she was inferior, but she was chosen because of the power of her influence as a mother. Moms and daughters particularly, the devil knows how valuable you are. Even if you don't realize it, he does realize how valuable you are. If he can damage you, he knows that he can damage the future. For at the core of your being, God has installed the spirit of belonging that every child needs. And when a mother has loved you, a sense of belonging settles the center, the core of your being. We all have known that feeling, though we haven't always thought about it and put our finger on it. But our being is furnished with a sense of belonging when we've received that mother's love and that nurture. Mom's amazing love cared for you long before she cared for herself. She always put your love and loving you first. It just came natural. It's instinctive in a good mother. Can you say amen? amen? No story expresses that better than the story of the two mothers and Solomon. Some of you may remember the two women, the two mothers each had a, had a baby, were sleeping in the same place, and the one mother rolled over and smothered her baby and and woke and found out her baby was dead, and so she reached over and stole the baby of her, her neighbor mother there and, and nestled that baby in. And when, the, when they both woke up in the morning, the mother of the, of the child realized that her son was stolen, and the lady beside her had him. And so, of course, there was an obvious dispute, and they ended up taking that dispute before the great king Solomon, 
who was to decide the outcome. And one was saying, that's my son. The other said, no, she stole him. He's my son. And so the scripture says in 1 Kings 3, 26 and 27, the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death because Solomon had said, I know how to resolve this. Bring me a sword, I'll just cut him in half and you can have half and you can have half. And so the mother said, that was the true mother, said, no, no, no. My heart yearns for my son. Don't slay him. But the other woman said, that's fine with me. Go ahead. That way he'll be neither yours nor mine. And the scripture says the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And so there's just something about that, that divine, nurturing, sacrificial love that's just there in the heart of a mother. Mothers will lay down their lives for their children. You know, we all know the scripture that says in John chapter 15, where Jesus said, greater love has no man, notice he said no man, than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But he didn't say mothers. Greater love has no mother. No, because mothers do have that kind of love. Mothers do lay down their lives for their children. But today, we celebrate not only the virtues of mothers with children, but also women without children who have strengthened society by nurturing neighbors and strangers with that mother's instinctive love and nurture. Remember the great judge in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, Deborah, of whom it was written in Judges 5-7, the villages were unoccupied and rulers ceased in Israel until you arose, you, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. If you ever read about the life of Deborah, Deborah was like a female Moses. Israel was about to be swallowed up by their enemies. And she came like a Moses. She was like an Old Testament apostle Paul with her wisdom. And the Lord raised her up. And the Bible says that she was married, but there's no mention of children, which is typical if you have children, when they mention you in, in the context that they would mention her in, they'd list the children and there'd be some mention of who her sons or daughters were. No mention whatsoever. So it's likely that she may not have had children, yet of her it is said, she arose a mother in Israel. Because what a mother does instinctually with her children, Deborah did to the whole society and among her neighbors and fellow citizens in Israel. And so our message on motherhood today extends to all of those women who have shown that nurture, not only to their own children, but to the children of others and to our culture in general. Now, when sermons on Mother's Day are given, usually the story of Jochebed, who is, how many of you know who Jochebed is? Wow, that's pretty good. Most people don't know that that's the mother of Moses. Jochebed was mother's Moses and you, uh, Moses' mother. And um, usually on Mother's Day, that's the story that gets shared. And there's a good reason for it. Um, if you remember the story, and I'll just briefly narrate it to you, Pharaoh had commanded that all the Hebrew sons 
be put to death at the point of birth. He commanded the midwives, Sifra and Pua. You know, I personally, let me just stop for a moment and say, I think it's amazing that 3,000, 3,500 years later, we know Zipra and Pua. And they were two midwives in Israel. We know their names. I mean, that's just, to me, astounding. Those two women are celebrated today. But this is why. Pharaoh called the two of them in as the midwives to the Hebrew women. And he said, I command you, kill every male child. The minute he's taken out of the womb, kill him. But they refused to do it, for the Bible says they feared God more than they feared the king. And so they didn't do it. And when Pharaoh wanted to know why the male babies had survived, they told Pharaoh, well, the Hebrew women are quite stout. And we're getting called to these deliveries, but they're, they're pushing out these babies before we can get there and help them. By the time we arrive, the babies are born. So the Pharaoh's furious, and he orders his entire citizenry. Every Egyptian is now commanded to kill any any Hebrew baby boy that you see, Pharaoh said, throw him in the Nile River. Can you imagine that? The king ordering every citizen in his country, if you see a toddler crawling around that's a Hebrew boy, throw him in the Nile River and drown him. But that was the order. However, after that command, the mother of Moses, Jochebed, gives birth to Moses. And she says he's, he's just a beautiful, a special child. And she refuses, risks her own life, loves her son. So she hides him for three months. And when she finally can hide him no longer, because he's obviously making noise, she concocts a plan. And she makes this basket and she covers it with pitch, which I guess is probably like modern day super glue, old time super glue or something. Puts the basket together and makes a little protective arc puts the baby Moses in it, doesn't just toss him in the Nile River, but nestles him among the reeds of the Nile River where he's not going to drift out and go downstream. And then says to his older sister, Miriam, who's probably a teenager at this point, um, I want you to stand off at a distance and watch and see who comes and discovers him and takes him. So she's watching the basket when along comes the daughter of Pharaoh and her entourage. She sees the basket, takes him out, opens the basket up, and just her eyes fall on Moses, and she falls in love with him, and she takes him as her own son. Now, it was customary in those days that if, uh, if you would adopt a child like that from among the Hebrews, they would go get a, uh, a Hebrew mother for a wet nurse and bring her to nurse the child. So Miriam in her wisdom, runs over to Pharaoh's daughter and says, I can set you up with a, with a Hebrew mother to nurse that baby if you want. She said, great, that'd be perfect. She runs home and she gets Jochebed, Moses' mother. And guess what? Moses is raised both by his stepmother, the daughter of Pharaoh, and helped in the raising by his mother, Jochebed, in the house of Pharaoh, where in his upbringing, he is raised, trained, educated, and furnished with things he will need to prepare him to deliver the Hebrew slaves out from under Pharaoh's control. 
And so you can see that God wrought an amazing, wonderful, and miraculous deliverance in the story of Moses. And Moses' mother ends up helping to raise him. Now, from the courage of Zephora and Pua, the midwives, to the saving love of Jochebed, his mother, to the strategic actions of Miriam, his sister, and the compassion of his stepmother, Pharaoh's daughter, were it not for the maternal women in Moses' life, there would be no exodus. There'd be no delivering of the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. It was actually through mothers that God worked to bring about his will in Moses' life. God's plan for Moses passed through the hands of those maternal women, hallelujah, who risked their lives and rebelled against evil in order to act in the love that God had put in their heart. That powerful combination of love and faith together produces amazing courage in mothers. Some of you women are missing some great opportunities to shout amen. One dad said, praise the Lord, and hallelujah. You see that wonderful courage, that strength that comes out of that love and faith combination. You see it in women today when, when a woman becomes mom to an adopted child who might otherwise grow up in an orphanage. You see it today in mothers who defy unbelieving husbands to raise their children with the Word of God. You see it in mothers who stand up to teenagers and say no when every other mother says yes. You see it today in mothers who choose to give up a lucrative career so that they can stay at home and be mom to their children while every other mother is calling them crazy and saying they're out of their minds. We see that kind of courage operating today among mothers. So you and I, as grown children, we look back and mom in our life is really the first profile in courage that inspired us to be kind and to be upright in life. Where did that instinct come from to be straight, to be morally upright, to be thoughtful of others? When we think about it, it came from the lessons that love taught us through the nurture of our mothers. When we think about mom, regardless of her imperfections, lack of refinement or sophistication, lack of education perhaps, and certainly her shortcomings. It's her fierce, unwavering love towards us, her personal sacrifices, and the way in which she adapted her life around us in order to give us a solid start in life. Those are the things about her that we will always remember. Can you say amen? amen. You know, God... God made his first appearance through a mother's love. That's where you first saw the face of God in your life. It's under a mother's sheltering love that we have a chance to grow up secure and to grow up upright in life. Some of you can say, before I knew God, I knew mom. 
Hallelujah. Because that is where the Lord begins to install the kind of love that one day He will awaken you with and bring you into redemption. For the Bible says that He is a mother to the motherless, father to the fatherless. And so today we just want to celebrate and encourage that miraculous, amazing, sacrificing love. I'm going to close with this thought, and then we're going to pray together. You know, I was thinking about the things that I've just shared with you, and uh, thinking about my own mom and many mothers that I've had the privilege of knowing throughout my lifetime. And I thought about the amazing, sometimes very painful sacrifices that mothers make in life. From the moment their child comes and their heart is knit into the world and there's those months and early years of, of just soul crafting and bonding and then come the years of separation with every year, every advance just pulls that child further away. A mother's heart breaks and though you're glad to see another citizen of the world step out in solid footing, Everything that happens to that child happens to the heart of a mother. And I thought about it. I thought about, you know, the, the, the mothers that have given up sometimes their own dreams to help seed dreams in their children. And I thought about having to step into those sacrifices, having to give things up that you longed for all your life. And know that as you give them up, you may never really see them again. And were it not for the love of a son or a daughter that were motivating you, you'd be drug kicking and screaming into that decision. Who would want to do it? Who would want to make that sacrifice? Who would want to undergo the kind of breaking and the agony and the sleepless nights that mothers would go through? But for the love that is instinctually planted in them from, from God, from the Father, they say yes. And you know, to husbands and fathers and onlookers and, and everyone else, we just expect it. We look at them and never really quite weigh what all that is worth. Never quite really consider the value of that. We've watched heroics and sacrifices played out in our own homes under our nose and haven't really understood how profound those sacrifices were. So this morning, as I've said, many of you can say, before I knew God, I knew mom. I knew that kind of love. And I think it's awesome that we celebrate that love not in perfect women, just women who were willing to step up and make that sacrifice to raise you and I. And so we just want to bless our moms this morning. I want you to close your Bible and stand with me this morning. And the word bless is also that word shalom and peace. It is not just a saying of thanks. It is an impartation. Now we that know about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we know about impartation. You know, receive it in the name of Jesus. And many, many years ago when I was beginning in the ministry and laying hands on people, a wise friend of mine said, well, when, one of the keys is when you pray for people, give them something. Don't just lay empty hands on empty heads. Just give them something. Release, receive. That is the word bless. It is a release. It is a giving. 
And so when God says shalom, peace, it's not a sentiment, it's an impartation. And so 